show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to versustheuniverse.com. That's vstheuniverse.com. You got your headphones on? Good. Now let's get on with the show. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, hey everyone, and welcome to Digital Dumpster Diving, where we dig through digital games and movies trying to find something worth our time, and maybe yours. Will you find trash or treasure? I'm Dave Martin, and with me as always is Matt Peters. How's life and things, Matt? Man, everything's great. It's wonderful, awesome, and fantastic. We're about to discuss a movie, which I'm very excited to talk about today. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen... I'm geek. You should be geek too. I don't get hype. I stay hype. That was all the energy I have in this episode. I'm so sorry. I wasted it all right now. But <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not sure how I can follow that. But uh, well done, sir. <laughs> Dave, it's always a pleasure to have you uh, to talk to you. I'm talking like it's my show. It's our show, man. Teamwork, baby. Teamwork makes the dream work. I'm glad that we're together again for another episode of Digital Dumpster Diving. I hope the listeners are happy to hear us once again, and I hope that. Our, our, our wonderful podcast family at Versus the Universe is happy that we're back on the air once more. Because there's nothing worse in the world than putting that disappointed face on Aaron Amendola. We don't want to do that. You know, maybe we should get a picture of that disappointed face. And just like every time we need a reminder, do I want to see that face? No. No, <laughs> I don't. I want to see the happy Aaron Amendola face. So we just got to keep moving on. That, that's all that's all there is to it it's like an aspca commercial man you don't want to <laughs> we gotta have celine dion singing in the background you know something like that or like you know that old magazine cover if you if you don't buy this magazine we'll shoot this dog just like oh we'll yeah a picture with with aaron like if you don't make your podcast this will be my face <laughs> well we're bearing the lead here so of course, as always, shout out to Versus the Universe, proud members of the podcast network. But today, today we're talking about a movie that you may or may not have heard of, and we're, we're gambling on that, actually. It's called Final Girl, and it's from 2015. Uh, oddly enough, it's like I, I put up a trailer for it on, the, on our Facebook page, which you should definitely check out and like, by the way. Uh, and the movie said uh, the, the trailer mentioned it was from 2016, but I think that was like the international trailer. So it might, there might have been a little bit of gap, you know, with the uh, with the release rollout across the world. Um, it didn't really set the world on fire, but I'm sure you're going to you're going to hear what we have to say about it. Uh, let me give you a little quick synopsis of the film. Um, just getting started here. Every night, four boys trick a young blonde girl into meeting them in the forest for a date with the intention to hunt and kill her for sport. One night, Veronica is selected, and little do they know, she is a trained assassin with her own set of tricks for these boys. When the hunt begins, the boys soon realize that they messed with the wrong girl. When she turns the tables on them, Starring Abigail Breslin, Wes Bentley, and Logan Huffman, directed by Tyler Shields. Oh, Tyler Shields. <laughs> this is directorial debut. Yes. All of these names sound like uh, Abercrombie and Fitch models. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, fair enough. Fair enough. And I'm 
they all could be Abercrombie and Fitch models as well. Yes, they could. <laughs> so, um, you know, just full disclosure, and it's it's not really a spoiler per se, but a uh, heads up for folks that keep track of this sort of thing. There are no people of color in this film whatsoever. <laughs> like, absolutely zero. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where for so long you're used to seeing uh, a, a certain vision come through on the screen. And it might be that these are just all the friends that, that, that Tyler had or whoever did the casting. But... Yeah, it was it was a little noticeable by the end. There's like zero people of color. But that is not the most noticeable thing about the film. We're going to get to that a little bit later on. Dave, I believe you have some thoughts about the film. Would you like to share? Well, I'll just note that uh, Abigail Breslin, who is the lead character of the movie, she got her start in Signs. Yeah. It's contaminated. That's like my favorite line from that movie. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, yeah. That that movie was scary to me for the wrong reason. It's because the little boy had uh, asthma, and having suffered many an asthma attack growing up, the scenes where he was having issues breathing were, like, frightening to me. <laughs> yes. I'm like, aliens, sure. Okay, fine, whatever. Oh, my God, that boy can't breathe. Please get him his inhaler. You know, say what you will about M. Night Shyamalan, and I've I've heard that his best or his latest movie is sort of a return to form. I haven't seen it yet, but in my opinion, Signs is my favorite of his movies. Wow, that is some high praise because uh, the obvious answer is The Sixth Sense. But once you get past the twist ending, what's really there? It's a Bruce Willis film. Um, I have feelings about Bruce Willis because his his star has really fallen over the years, but. There was, there was a time where he was the man. That being said, I have a dark horse as well as my favorite M. Night Shyamalan movie, which is, um, my goodness, Unbreakable. Yes, excellent movie. Yes, yes. And it's, it's very much a, a creature of its time. It was a time in film where we didn't have a new superhero film coming out every other month. So, you know, we were starving for any type of comic book content on the screen. And Unbreakable definitely filled that void for the time being. Well, and one of my favorite things about that is I like mystery movies. Yeah. And I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say this is a mystery movie, but I, I, I enjoy mystery movies. But most of them either are so blatantly obvious, you know who the bad guy is by the beginning of the movie, or there's some little detail that they never give you so that you can never figure it out. But with Unbreakable, one of my favorite things about the movie, and there are a lot of great things about it, was they give you several chances to figure out what's going on without being ham-fisted about it. That's true. That and is true. I love that about the movie. So, yeah, that's that's very true of M. Night Shyamalan. But let's talk about our director for this film for a little bit, Tyler Shields. So you mentioned that this is his directorial debut. Yes, yes, it is. You, you may you, you may have seen his work elsewhere. Yes, um, I'm I'm hesitant to mention this, but uh, that picture of Kathy Griffin holding the severed head of Donald Trump, he shot that. That's true. And to quickly change the subject, he's also an inline skater. Interesting. He- <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's an inline vert skater who participated in the '99 and 2000 X Games and toured with Tony Hawk. In his Boom Boom Hut Jam tour, which I saw live at the United Center right here in Chicago, Illinois. Cheap pop. 
Very nice. I, I I am jealous. Yeah, man. It was like two hours of Archie Easter and I just yelling out, 900! You know, just trying to get Tony <laughs> to come out and do it. And he did it. It was great. I have no regrets about seeing that show. It was a lot of fun. Ah, uh, yes. My brother has a Tony Hawk autograph on his old cast. <laughs> I mean, nobody better to autograph the cast than Tony Hawk. If anybody knows about breaking body parts, it's Tony Hawk. Pretty much, yes. Right, so now that we've completely navigated away from that whole Kathy Griffin thing, um, <laughs> so how did how did how did Tyler do, man? Um, it depends what you were going for, and I should have looked at who was in charge of the cinematography for this, but I think the cinematographer did an excellent job of doing some really really cool shots, and I'll use that as an example for the whole movie. The cinematography is excellent if you're not looking for absolute realism. Um, just the lighting was amazing, but it was inappropriate for several of the scenes in that you're in this darkened forest and all of a sudden this character is bathed in brilliant light. It looks really, really cool. Yeah. Not realistic. No. And there were several scenes like that, and I think that set is, is how I look at the whole thing. It was There were some really cool things about it, if you're okay with massively suspending your disbelief and knowing that it's going to be a little bit surreal. Um, so if that's what he was going for, he did a fine job of it. I wouldn't say I would give him a lot more opportunities, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a first film, I thought this was very impressive, actually. I mean, we've seen people's third and fourth films that didn't, really look this uh impressive i'm gonna stop saying impressive now but yeah <laughs> he basically like i don't know man it just it, it really had its own uh vibe to it it had a, a very distinct feel like you mentioned the lighting the lighting really stood out to me especially there's a, a scene where a character is standing in the in the kitchen uh with his mother and the the light that's shining through the window is just so artistically just placed it, there's there's no way to deny that it's there and it's framed like that for a reason um the only odd thing about that scene was that the characters are sitting down to eat dinner and the light is in the room in such a way they can't they, there was no light on their plate i'm like how are they seeing their food that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but you know i digress um i i think he did uh very well with with the the creep factor of the film you know um whether it was intentional or not, these characters just had this kind of saccharine sweetness to them um, that was just abrasively insincere from start to finish. And uh, that that really came across crystal clear uh, thanks to his cinematography, the framing, and uh, you know, the directorial choices he made. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of these kids, uh, <laughs> they sound like Abercrombie and Fitch models. And yeah, I kind of got that some, same uneasy feeling as I do looking at Abercrombie and Fitch catalogs, which I try not to do very often. But there you have it. I guess I probably shouldn't say two more before we get into our rating scale and <laughs> give it a proper review. But it was it was very interesting. It was different than I was expecting, mostly in good ways. Agreed. We've we've seen some interesting films in these past few episodes. Interesting being in in very distinct quotation marks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just bold and italicized. But yeah, this one it, it it felt like it was 
yeah, it was a movie. But like you said, let's get to our rating scale and then we'll talk about, you know, exactly what we felt about it there. If a movie is absolute garbage and we all would have been better off had it stayed in the dumpster, we'll call it Toxic Sludge. If it was bad, but had a few solid or entertaining parts to it that might make it worth it for some people, it'll be hazardous. If we find something that has potential and does a decent job of reaching it, that's reusable. And if we find a bit of free entertainment that we feel you should run out and watch right away, that, ladies and gentlemen, is treasure. Yes, yes, the the highly coveted treasure rating that we give out so sparingly because we care about the time that you folks spend on your entertainment. You have many options. You already spend a half hour with us. We don't want you to waste at least an hour and a half on something that is completely passable. Kevin Haverty, I'm talking to you. We warned you about Swamp Ape. We warned you away, <laughs> and you still watched it. And I'm sorry. <laughs> But we try. <laughs> we can only do so much. Yes. I mean, other than deleting the episode and pretending it never happened, we can only do so much. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing of value was lost. <laughs> so as we roll on, uh, I would like to hear your thoughts about what rating this film deserves. See, this is really hard for me to rate because it is a very different flavor. Yeah. And it's hard to compare it to other things. But given what what they were going for and what I think they accomplished, I, I thought there were there were some issues where I did have to suspend disbelief and sort of shake my head, okay, that's fine, I'll, we'll just keep going on. But this was better than I was expecting it to be. I'm going to go with a really high reusable on this one. That's definitely a fair rating to give it, and I, I understand where you're coming from. And for our viewers who have watched it, I'm sure they do as well, because, you know, little qualms aside, like the lack of POC, it's an interesting film. It is, it is really self-contained in this small town that it's in. It almost gives me the same vibe as the creepier moments in Riverdale or even Baby Driver that came out recently, just in its, in its very Americana from the 1950s sort of vibe to it, especially the the fact that uh, a lot of it happens in a, um, a a Shake Shack or a you know Burger Shack or whatever you want to call it. It's a restaurant <laughs> where people in white hats serve you hamburgers and, and milkshakes. It's like a, it's like a highway diner kind of a thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean that was kind of that that vibe is always kind of interesting to me, and I love the uh, the different. Um, cinematography that's used when shooting those scenes whether it be from kind of like down below or up above i'm going on and on now i'm gonna go ahead and give it a solid reusable like i enjoyed the film but there were definitely some things that could have been done better it felt a little amateurish in, in sections um definitely not a, a treasure not something you should like run out and go see right now or run to your television and watch right now but you know you got a day off. Maybe you're sick. You're sitting on the couch. You're all out of episodes of The Office to watch. Check it out. As a quick content note, it is rated R for some language in there. Yes. There's not frequent language, but there are three uses of one of the words, which usually two will get you the R rating. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I think it could have been PG-13. I agree. Yeah, there's no, like, wrong nudity or anything like that. It's definitely tamer than an episode of Game of Thrones. Yes. Well, that's not saying much, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> much less dragon content. I'll say that too, unfortunately. So uh, 
Spoilers! Yeah. I was looking forward to the dragons in this movie. <laughs> Final girl, first dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, I guess we should go ahead and get to our spoiler section. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not seen the film and you still intend to, because we gave it that strong, reusable rating, please pause the show, go and watch the movie, Come back and listen to what we have to say about it. And let us know if you disagree on the Twitters and the emails and the Facebooks with you kids and your Snapchatting. Stay off my lawn. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> this is going to sound really weird, me comparing this to a Marvel Netflix series. Ooh. But I'm going to kind of go there in that one of the best things about the Marvel Netflix series, and I, I have not yet binged the Defenders. Uh, I need to. But one of the best things about them is that they develop the villains very well. Okay. Except for Diamondback, which... Yeah. But except for that, they, they, they develop their villains pretty well. And in some ways, they didn't spend a lot of time necessarily on the villains on this, but they gave them all their distinct creepy factor. Some of the coolest framed shots that... You mentioned the one in the at the, the dinner scene between one of the boys and his mother. Yeah. In addition to that, the other one where that, that kid was dancing on his way to the door was just... Oh. <laughs> it was just... The way it was shot was really cool. I mean, it was odd for a movie like this, but I thought, you know, that's just a really cool vibe and a really cool tone it sets. Yes. And so they, they did some cool things with some of the villains. They didn't spend a lot of time on them. I, I kind of like where they went trying to develop. Each one has their own flavor. I agree. I, I really enjoyed the one kid... Um... What his name was like Jackie Boy or something like that. That's what his name is now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just really just like out there. Like if if they were going to recast the kid who plays uh, the Joker esque character on Gotham, he would be perfect. He's got that mentality. He's got that smile. That that manic look about him. Everything is just spot on for a young Joker. Um, and his talent was not wasted here. I mean, they gave him a lot of uh, different angles to, to come from, and uh, they gave him a lot of content to chew on, too. So, yeah, he was standout. He was my favorite of the villains. One of the things that's interesting to me about this, and about a lot of different movies, so she's there to kill them. That is her mission, to kill them. And yep. they're trying to kill her. So it's basically people are going to die. <laughs> Somebody's going to die, Yes. They bring weapons for reasons that are understandable. She didn't bring anything big with her. She probably could have brought a small gun or something in her bag. But anyway, she didn't bring any weapons. But she disarmed weapons from them. And I just don't understand how in this movie or any other, when people are trying to kill each other and a bad guy is using a weapon, why can the good guy or the protagonist who's <laughs> supposed to be the good guy never just use that weapon? Because Why does it always have to resort to fisticuffs when you, you took the bat from the guy? You used the bat on him. <laughs> it's beneath them, man. Just like in Arkham Asylum, when you take the bat, Batman breaks it in half so no one else can use the bat. And he goes back to using his fist. Why? Because this is what he's trained for. He's the hero. He's going to give you a black eye. He might break your orbital socket like uh, Hulk Hogan in that one WrestleMania. I think it was three. <laughs> uh, where he had that weird looking black eye thing. But yeah. I forget where I was going with that. Right. No, but she's no weapons going to for kill good them guys. Anyway, she's going to kill them anyway. <laughs> You're right. You're right. She totally wanted to murder them. But for some reason, her mentor at the beginning of the film was telling her, no, 
You don't need to use guns. Guns are bad. They jam and someone can take it from you. So Bats don't jam. They don't jam. Bats don't jam. That's the name <laughs> of the episode. Right <laughs> Bats don't jam. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of went with it. I guess by that point of the film, I was just so like just engrossed in what was going on. I didn't even really think twice about that. And that's that's a good sign, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even notice that. So, so jumping back for for the people who decide you're not going to watch the movie, um, one of the interesting things they did with this is her trainer before he sent her on the mission, he gave her a drug cocktail of sodium pentothal, which is truth serum, at least in TV shows and movies. Yes. And then another drug, which is basically a really big party drug or something, which like was it makes LSD look like candy or something i can't remember what they said but basically it's a, it's a hallucinogenic which basically reveals your worst fear and so she saw that and then she drugged three of the four of them with that uh she put it in a flask and they thought it was just alcohol one of them didn't drink it before the chase began and so the first three guys she fights are all tripping out with their worst fears as she fights them they're still able to fight her and they all get some solid hits on her but so it's not just a regular fight. It's all these trippy, like um, scarecrow type things. We keep going back to Batman, but uh, the type of stuff you'd <laughs> imagine scarecrow does to his victims is yeah, uh, yeah, like the bears. Like there was definitely like a, a big scarecrow element to uh, what was going on there with those like what were they like panda bears or something? Panda, panda bear, bear heads in suits. Yeah. And so, was were they supposed to be his friends? Were they supposed to be someone who was after his dad? Because his, da- I assume his dad was in jail or in this in the military. I don't even know. I don't know. But they were scary to him. Yes, <laughs> they could have done more to flesh that out. Really, the only like psychotic break that well, no, two of them made sense. One of which was uh, the the boy and his mom, because even early on in the movie, I got a weird vibe from their yes. change and the lighting and everything. And like, I'm like, okay, these are all wealthy guys. Is he just like, you know, some type of gigolo and he's like dating this older woman or something. But no, it was established that that was his mom, but they still had a very strange vibe to him. And of course, when we went to his nightmare, we saw the fruition of that. Um, the other one that, that really, uh, was was a good mind bender anyway was uh when the 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 leader of the pack um he was basically revealed as uh you know just lecherous and he was um you know hooking up with one of the guy's wives and that all came out and they fought and killed killed one another and that sort of thing but it was all uh imaginary am i remembering this right i feel like i'm, I'm, yes. I'm mixing some of that up okay so anyway yeah, that was that was a trippy little side story. I thought that was neat, and yeah, I mean it. It kind of brought out how like serious this cocktail, this this drug cocktail was, because they were seeing things and, and really believing it. It's not real. Don't try to find it in your local store. And, <laughs> yeah. and even if it was, I don't recommend it. No, definitely don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but besides that, you know, it's just yeah. It, the unpredictable effects of these drugs. <laughs> like, you don't want to be running from panda bears through the woods and ultimately impale yourself. That's not good. 
running from Pikachu, maybe. Like maybe. if you get to get those like the cute dancing Pikachu things, that that could be amusing. Yeah, man, those things are amusing until they're not. Like I often joke around that you know, in the right lighting, any any critter can be terrifying. Pikachu is definitely <laughs> in that group. Well, we have the villain for the horror movie we're doing for October. There you go. We're, we're filming one with Pikachu as the villain. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Gotta catch him all. <laughs> he's done being caught. Now he's coming for you. <laughs> what do you do when the Pokemon does the catching? I can't even give it an R. It's rated PG-13. I can't. I can't. <laughs> he's just so adorable. <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, all those pieces came together to form a good film. There were some very intense moments between Abigail Breslin and insert actor's name here who played the trainer, whose name has escaped me, Wes Bentley. Yes. So there were some very intense moments between uh, Abigail Breslin and and Wes Bentley's characters uh, when they were training, including him getting choked out at one point and just, you know establishing that she has to be cutthroat in many of these flashbacks. I'm not sure what I thought about Wes Bentley in this, because I, I thought he did a fine job acting, uh-huh. but he has such a distinct look. So he was the uh, the trainer, um, and you may have seen him before in the first of the Hunger Games movies. He was no. like the showrunner under snow. Um, he was also in Pete's Dragon, and <laughs> it was just almost jarring. I don't know. That's a really weird thing to say, but for me, it was jarring seeing him like that. Yeah, and I got to tell you, man, I'm really glad that they didn't play up the romantic angle between the two too much. Like, they touched upon it, but when it came down to it, it wasn't like they were, you know, coupling up or her main motivation was to ultimately, like, hook up with her trainer or anything. It was just like, okay, this happened. Uh, Let's move on. Because I really thought we were going to get that R rating during those scenes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I I was yeah I was kind of surprised they didn't go there then. But so I'm I'm jumping way ahead here. Sure. So at the end, they're at the restaurant, and basically, does that say they are going to hook up? Is that where that with with them both? Like he didn't even touch his pancakes. She licks her finger and says they're terrible, and he says, yeah, mine too. Are they basically hooking up at that point? I think so. It's it's alluded to, but it leaves it open for interpretation, which is great, because we don't need to like have it nailed on the head like that. So they're at the restaurant, and she she's they're having some pancakes, and she's filthy. Yes. She's got blood and muck all over her, including her hands. You know, she's just killed four people. Yeah. With her bare hands and been rolling around in the mud. And she sticks her finger in whipped cream and then licks it and is like, that is so disgusting. It really is. And that was the scene that they kept using in the advertising, too. I'm like, oh, God, that's so gross. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess maybe I should be glad I didn't watch the advertising for it. Well, even in the trailer, they just made it, they made the, the trailer, they cut it in such a way that it made it seem like she was just psychotic. Like she was bloodthirsty, uh, which definitely was not the case. It was like she was very driven by her mission. Um, they could have delved a little bit deeper into her psyche, I guess, if they really wanted to go that way with the movie. But it didn't seem like the movie was there for that. It was definitely a revenge flick. 
And she was there for revenge for all these girls that got murdered. And what God knows what else happened to them. Oh, you know what? That's actually interesting, too. I should I should mention that early on uh, in the film, it's established like they're not like assaulting these women uh, sexually. They're basically getting their kicks by seducing them, taking them to the woods and then killing them, chasing them down like prey. Which I, I don't think we've touched on that aspect at all. We just kind of glossed over the whole like uh, thrust of the film. But yeah, they're not doing that. Like they feel like that's beneath them. They just want to go out and kill these women, and they act like, oh yeah, no, it's cool. We're, we're not going to rape you or anything. We're just going to going to murder you. That's all. It's fine. So they were chivalrous murderers. Yeah, no, but yeah, <laughs> but no. <laughs> Man, I just like. I don't know whose decision it was to put that little note in there, but I appreciated that. I'm like, that's that's different, and that's very good for them to put that in there for those audience members who are concerned about that type of content being in this type of film, as it usually is. Like, it's like, no, just enjoy the ride. You don't have to worry about this part of it. Just, yeah, it's it's going to be crazy, but not that type of crazy. I feel like we didn't really do it justice explaining all the cool parts of it that, that made us give it such a high rating. But uh, for those that didn't watch it, I'm hoping that makes them want to go and find out why we liked it so much. Yeah, it's, I think it's definitely worth a watch. Don't go in looking for realism. No. Just go in to enjoy the ride for what it is. Agreed. My recommendation, check it out. Give it a shot. See what you think. Let us know. All that good stuff. And then go to the woods and... Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> Nothing good ever happens in the woods. Not even camping. Camping sucks. Don't don't do that. Camping is amazing. No, dude. No. Camping is awful. And you're exposing yourself to the elements and bugs where there's so much cool stuff to do inside. There are cool things to do inside, but like if you go like in the in the spring, like April or May, or in the fall, there aren't that many bugs. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to finish this conversation off show. But in the meantime, let's tell them what we got coming up for the next episode. <laughs> so, let me go ahead and, and, and inform listeners who are still with us, even though I'm sitting over here deriding camping as being awful. The next movie we're going to watch, we're going to go to another foreign film, but this time it's going to be martial arts. That's right. We're going to watch... Um, Brotherhood of Blades. This. Brotherhood of Blades. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be watching Brotherhood of Blades next time around. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It comes highly recommended. But of course, it still fits the qualifications of being a digital dumpster diving project. Yeah, so catch it where you can. I believe it's on Netflix. We'll finalize that on the social media, so keep an eye out for that. Dave, do you have anything cool coming up that folks should look out for? The next episode is something cool coming up that people should look out for. Um, aside from that, I am planning on going to the the thing in a week. That okay. Is a thing. Okay. In That's a week. Cool. Yeah. The puppet thing with the, uh, the geek the show. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The versus the universe geek show at stage seven seven three. I believe it's sold out already, unfortunately. But if you're lucky enough to get tickets, you will see Dave. You will see me either physically or on the screen because I'm in uh, something that I can't talk about yet. Speaking of things that I can't talk about, I'm also going to be doing a podcast for the Learned Fangirl blog about the Defenders, which we talked about earlier in the show. I was able to binge it this week, and I'm going to discuss my thoughts with Mitchie Trota 
I don't want to give anything away. So it's going to be a good conversation. Michi's always got interesting insight to these projects. She had a great, great podcast with Dawn Shana Moon a little while ago about um, Iron Doctor- Fist. I'm sorry, Iron Fist. Yeah, Iron Fist. Yes, definitely Iron Fist and uh, Doctor Strange as yes, well. They did a piece well. on. So go back and check that out. Get ready. It's going to be me and Mitchie, Mitchie and I talking about <laughs> the Defenders. I am looking Cage. forward to it. Yes, yes. Many more things are coming up, which we will let you know about on future episodes, as always. It's got to be better next time. <laughs> Although well, this one really wasn't that bad. It was good. Yeah, we got off easy good. this time, man. And I'm knocking on wood hoping that is the case for the next one, too. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. It was great having you here, and we shall catch you for the next episode. And as always, feel free to check us out on social media. And if you have a recommendation for something you think we should jump into, whether it's a movie or a game or something else from the dumpster, <laughs> not food. Not food. Not food. No. <laughs> then, then let us know, and we will uh, give it a gander. That's right. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time for more digital dumpster diving. I'm Bob Vila. And I'm Lynn Thigpin from Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Good night. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? And there'll be some hefty editing of a couple of parts of that. Man, the rails. I got away from those rails a couple of times there. <laughs> rails? There were no rails here. Oh, oh no. They were gone. <laughs> All the stops were pulled out. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> This'll be my chance. Yes. Stone Cold Knee Braces. He should have his own brand of like knee braces and orthopedic like type of items for former wrestlers. Hey, you know, Shaq did Icy Hot. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. You should stop making suggestions ever. <laughs> Just can it, Peters. <laughs> not the first time I was told that today. <laughs> Probably in the last hour. I'll say that. <laughs>